No one in that audience did. There was no interpreter. If that had been an authentic manifestation of the spiritual, 1 Corinthians 14 says there should be, there must be an interpreter present or you don't exercise the gift. So, we're going to look at this, and like I said, it might not be a topic that you have ever really uh, heard about, but it's here in the Bible, and it's here for a reason, this section. But I want, as we go into this, I want you to remember that the main focus, and what we're going to look this morning as, is answering the question, how can we build the fellowship. I want you to remember that, and that's where we're going. So if you have your copy of God's Word open to 1 Corinthians, we're going to be in chapter 14, and we're just going to read the first 12 verses, but I would encourage you to read the entire chapter uh, when you have an opportunity. I'm going to be referencing verses from the rest of the chapter but we're just going to look at the first 12 verses this morning. So if you're able and willing, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the word. Verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who pro prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Father, we ask now for your wisdom that we may understand this passage and that we might apply it with truth in our lives, that others might see Jesus. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning, our focus, as I said, we're going to be answering the question, how can we build up the church? And in this passage we just read, I think there's three focuses. The first one is serving through love. The second would be focusing on the greater good. 
And the third is communicating that truth of the gospel with clarity. So if we look at this first way, if we serve through our giftedness under the umbrella of love, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Now, last week, that whole uh, message came out of chapter 13 in the way of love, and I'm not going to go over that again, but Paul, remember, this is, is, is meant, it's, it's read to them when they got this letter, they read it all together. And that's why he put chapter 13 where he did. And then he says, pursue love and earnestly desire. So, but the first part, and we don't need to miss this, is about being in operation of our giftedness under love. And if we have that as our overarching motivation we aren't going to do that which divides the body, but that which builds it up. Then he, this, this whole section is about a contrast between the, the speaking gift of prophecy and the sign gift of tongues. And if you'll notice here, he tells them to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, and then he talks about prophesying. Now, this is important. He's talking to the church as a whole here, not as individual, because he's already told us in verse 11 of chapter 12 that the Holy Spirit assigns the gifts. You can't pray and seek individually for yourself what gift you want. It doesn't work that way. This isn't a Christmas list. The Holy Spirit assigns things. So what's he saying? Earnestly desire. Paul is saying as a church... You should have a desire that God is going to gift members of your church with prophecy that you might build one another up. And don't pray that a whole lot of people will be given the gift of tongues because that doesn't really build up the church. So for us, what's the application? What's, what's the takeaway right here? He's telling them... As a church, they need to desire that which is going to build up. There's our point of application. Are you prayerfully seeking to be used to build up, to help out? What is your desire for this church? Do you have a desire for this church? Do you pray that we might be gifted in such a way as we'll make a greater impact for the kingdom here. In whatever means that God chooses to gift us with as individuals, but that as a church we'll be unified in this process of advancing the kingdom. And remember, if it's just a few, the impact is lessened. That's what Paul's saying here. Do you have a desire that the kingdom might grow. That's the first point. The second point, we're going to get into some of this uh, biblical application and history of the, the gift of tongues. But what in verses 2 through 5, Paul is telling us to focus on the greater good. Now, before uh, I get into some of the, the, the tongues, I want to... Um, 
show how in the book of Acts on the second point is, is some of the history. What happens the first time you see the gift of tongue used is in the book of Acts. It's in chapter 2. And it's on the day of Pentecost. And there was a, a festival. That's when, when the Holy Spirit came down and the church was birthed. The church of Jesus Christ was birthed. So there in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the unbelieving Jews hear the disciples, those 11, speaking in other languages. And some of the others that were with them. There was actually 120 of them there gathered for prayer. But they spoke to people in other languages. that they ra- Those people that heard it, they said, How can these Jews be speaking in Italian? Or Sp- I don't know that Italian was... There were any Italians in the crowd. But they were, they were different languages. But they understood them. And then in that... Well, and that was a fulfillment of prophecy in Joel chapter 2, but it validated the reality of the gospel of Jesus to unbelievers. That was the point. And then the other places in Acts, it's in Acts 10.46 and 19.6, where they explicitly speak in tongues, the gospel is coming to a different people group. It's the Gentiles and the Old Testament disciples. And I think in John or in Acts 8, that's going to the Samaritans. It says they, the disciples came down from Jerusalem and they witnessed this. And then the and if you want to look at Acts 8, there was a guy there in the crowd. His name was Simon. He was a, kind of a magician guy. He saw something. And he offered to pay money for it that when he too could lay hands on people and they would start manifesting the spiritual stuff. So I think they were speaking in tongues there, but it was a known language. I'm not trying to confuse anybody, but here's the point. I think that validates the spread of the gospel that we see in Acts 1-8 when Jesus said to the disciples, he's going up, you stay in Jerusalem, you're going to get empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then the gospel is going to spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. And those four occurrences follow that pattern. They were known languages. Evidently, what's going on here in 1 Corinthians 14 is not a known language. Verse 2, for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. This is different. Some people call that ecstatic utterances or a private prayer language. But what I want you to see We're talking about the greater good. What's going on in the book of Acts is is validating the gospel. This gift, this sign gift, validates the truth of the gospel. Now, what about what's going on here? Well, as I said, it's kind of a controversial topic 
there are, well, I'll just tell you what I believe. Uh, and this is from a study, not just from, the, and, and I will say this. You're not going to get the whole, underst- if, if you don't know anything about the sign gifts of tongue, you're not going to get it figured out listening to one message from me. There's a whole lot more here. But I personally believe that the miraculous gifts pretty much cease with the apostles. Throughout the whole Bible, there's been three periods of the miraculous. That was with Moses, apart from creation when God is doing creative things. That's miraculous. But Moses... In the Exodus period, the plagues, then you have Elijah and Elisha and all the miracles they did, and then the time of Jesus and the apostles. And even at the end, if you read the book of Acts, the miraculous doesn't show up at the end of the book. The signs were for validating the gospel. What do we have that the first century church did not have? They didn't have this. It was still being written. The canon had not yet been closed. And the canon is a word that refers to the scriptures. We have a closed canon. There is no more direct revelation from God. It's here. Between these covers. So if you're listening to somebody that says they're getting a direct word from God because Jesus shows up in their living room while they're having coffee, take it back to the word. We got we got teachers out here, popular teachers. Popular. Many of you might even be following some of these people that are talking about how Jesus wants to build snowman with them. She has a lot of followers. I'm not talking about Paula White now. Now, we have brothers and sisters, non-Baptist brothers and sisters. That's a news flash in case you... We're a little unsure about this. There are other denominations out there that know Jesus just like we do. You know there's going to be more people in heaven than just Baptists? Did you know that? Some of you look confused, surprised. We have charismatic brothers and sisters. We have Pentecostal brothers and sisters. They believe the signed gifts are still active. They may be. Whether you recognize this, the signed gifts is active or not, it's not a salvation issue. Jesus is the issue. He is the one. And belief and trust in Christ. So these are our brothers and sisters. Even though we might disagree with some issues here and there, um, we have uh, 
I, I heard just uh, at the pastor's conference last week about uh, missionaries that are hearing, they're, they're getting approached by Muslims, Muslims, who have had dreams about Jesus, appearing to them in dreams. And then this missionary shows up to teach about this Jesus. And they're getting saved. And if you know anything about Muslims living in a Muslim country, becoming Christians, how, do you think that's well received in a Muslim country? No. They actually have funerals for them. Because you are now dead to the family. Because you have apostatized from Allah. It's a serious thing. So can God communicate to a Muslim living in Iran or Iraq through a dream? I'm not going to stand up and, here and say he can't. God's not in my box. And guess what? He's not in yours either. God's not in any box. He builds the boxes. He's outside the box. So, what does that do with us here about the greater good? Well, the focus here again is, what's the main point? It's building up the body. And in verses 4 and 5 of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says the one who does the tongue thing builds up himself. But if you're prophesying, if you're giving a word, if you're proclaiming the word like this word right now, it's not about prophecy. It's not necessarily about predicting what's going to happen in 2020, who's going to win the next election. No, who knows? I don't know. Most of them got it wrong in 2016. They'll probably get it wrong for 2020. But prophecy, the gift of prophecy, is about proclamation. And this gift of tongues, as you just saw in that, that video, if that was genuine, it was an abuse of Scripture because I heard nobody interpret what it what she was saying. And that's where most of the charismatics and Pentecostals miss it. If it is a genuine gift, they're abusing it because they're not doing it scripturally. You're not supposed to do it in a worship service unless there's interpreter present. What you just saw was unbiblical. And that's if you watch Creflo Dollar, if you watch, uh, well, you can just go on and on. Benny Hinton, good night. Benny Hinton, his magic coat, Slaying people. Uh, anyway, I, I need to move on. Uh, I did a false teacher thing on Wednesday nights last year, and uh, I went through all this. If you have any questions, just come see me. Um, the point is that we're about building up. Third point, moving on, is um, communicating the truth with clarity. And that's in verses 6 through 12. And what Paul's saying there, and he uses some instruments for an illustration. He's saying, you know, if you don't have the flute or the harp doing distinct notes, who, who's going to know what's going on? And he says, if the bugle, if it's not 
doing a particular charge sound who's going to get ready for for battle you know just playing the bugle I, I mean i could make noise on a bugle i could sit down at that piano and i could make noise what Tamara does and kim does is actually can play it where you can understand it so what he's saying is it's about communicating with clarity just, and, and this is not just about a different language a couple of months ago, I get a call from Capital One. Our church credit card was Capital One. And there was some issue with Pastor James's card, some purchase he had made. It didn't even have anything to do with my card. But some guy, and I know this is stereotypical. I'm not, I can't remember his name. He was an Indian guy. I call him Bob the Indian. And Bob, he calls me. I'm, I'm in the middle of my conference down in Clemens. So at lunch, I go out and talk to him. And he's talking to me, and we're, we're using English. And he's asking me about charges. And I'm saying, I don't understand what you're saying. He rep- I said, I still don't understand the words you're using. Can you spell that? And he says something else. You know what the end of the, end of the thing happened? My card got deactivated. It didn't even start with my card. Okay, me and Bob the Indian, we were not communicating. He was saying stuff, and he was using English. But there was absolutely no comprehension. It's not about intelligence. You can have a Russian PhD speaking to a German PhD in their respective languages, and if either one doesn't understand the other language, there's no communication. Whatever we do, we need to be able to communicate the truth of the gospel. So I hope I am communicating with you with clarity right now. What makes Paula White and others false teachers is not that she speaks in tongues. That's not the issue. You can exercise, according to to Paul, he says that uh, in in verse 39 of of chapter 14, he says, uh, do not forbid speaking in tongues. So I'm not going to say that's totally out of biblical lines. I believe that gift is no longer necessary, especially when we have the scriptures readily available in in our languages here, maybe in some foreign settings, possibly. I, I know that our International Mission Board has dealt with this issue of of prayer languages and we've gone back and forth on it but you know here's the thing even with the pentecostals and the charismatics and believe it or not we're not the only ones that have missionaries southern baptists they have their own missionaries and guess what they do when they send them to a different country they teach them language 
Now, if you got the gift of tongues, why are you training them in languages? There's a reason for that. For communication. So you can hear. What, what the whole point of the gifts is that people might know Jesus. And they might not think, huh? It's about clarity. Now, what, as we end this, verse 20 says this in, in, in chapter 14. If I get through the right chapter. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. You know, this is not the most evangelical message. It's, it's not the come to Jesus message. But I believe it's a timely message. Because we have people... People that you're going to come in contact with, when you start talking to them about Jesus, and, and some of them are being influenced by these other factors, and when they bring up this issue, you need to be aware of it, and you need to be able to focus on the biblical thing. It's not about getting down to whether or not you can say this is a legitimate gift for right now or not. There's, there's scholarly debates and I've been reading a lot of them on both sides you can make a biblical case for both the point is are you building up the church by serving through love are you focused on the greater good or your own because when you're using this tongue thing where's the focus at it generally comes right back here to that person on the stage that's, that's what that's about. Paul says, no, no, it's, it's about the greater good. And it's about making sure you're communicating with clarity. Can you communicate Jesus with clarity without that? Yes. Yes, you can. Now the question comes then, are we? You, know, you can go get lost in this discussion all you want. Are you using what God has given you to make Jesus known in your area of influence? That's really what it comes down to. Are you being obedient? Are you using what you have? As Mark and musicians come, we're going to have a time of response. Uh, like I said, it's, this is not a gospel come to Jesus message. But that invitation is open. Uh, the Holy Spirit can convict any way he wants to. But this message is mainly for the church. Are we being obedient? Are we building up the church? Jesus himself said, in a different context, but in Matthew 6, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God. And all the other things added to you are in context or something different. But he said, seek first the kingdom. Are you seeking the kingdom? Father, I th ask that you would just use this message 
to challenge us in our thinking. God, maybe some of the, the people we've been following, being influenced by, uh, maybe we need to, to search and see if it, it, if it uh, agrees with your word. And if it doesn't, Lord, then we would not need to allow that person to influence our lives anymore. But God, more importantly, are we using what you've given us to serve here in the church and to make Jesus known outside? Father, I just pray that you'd use this time to make us more obedient, that others might join us. God, we just sang that song before this message at the table. And that invitation to the table, we sang to ourselves about how we're invited to the table, and that is true, and there's nothing wrong with that, but God, we, we don't need to let it stop here. But we would need to take that invitation out into a world and let them know that they too are invited to your table. Oh, Father, help us to be obedient. We ask and pray it in Christ's name. Amen. I ask you to please stand, turn to page 684. Precious Lord, take my hand. Please stand for a Thank you again for being here. Uh, once you come back tonight, 6 o'clock, I'll be here, but uh, Pastor James uh, has got the service. I asked him, I don't know, six weeks ago uh, about uh, having this service, so he'll be leading it tonight, and we'll hear from our uh, praise team as well. So you come back and, and be blessed tonight, and that's at 6 o'clock. I'm going to ask uh, Brother James Mundy if he would uh, dismiss us in prayer. <laughs>